This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You're live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with my good friends John Beeler and Graham Williams. We have an awesome program for you today. Later on, we'll be talking uh, with a teacher that is uh, teaching kids to code using some really cool uh, tools from uh, Apple. And it sounds not that difficult. I wish I had something like this when I was a kid. We will also be uh, catching up with uh, our friend Brandon Grossuti. He's the man behind From2, a new delivery service that's trying to take on the big guys, the Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. He's out of Vancouver, BC, and already is uh, working with 80 restaurants here. The big thing behind it is uh, it puts the money back into the hands of the restaurants and the drivers, cuts the commission down, which I think is a, a great thing. And we'll be talking about new the new Apple Fitness Plus and what that's all about. But uh, let's uh, get into some of the app news this week. And if you were a previous owner of Microsoft products from days gone by, you might have some money in your future. John? Yeah, and this is something that I actually saw the commercial for it at first. There was a TV commercial. It's for thatsweetmoney.ca. And it's a uh, class action lawsuit where Microsoft was found to have some anti-competitive pricing uh, models happening. And they didn't admit guilt, but they did uh, settle this lawsuit. And um, if you go to this website, you can register for all of the different uh, either software packages or operating systems that you may have bought in between, I think it was 1998 and 2010. And, That's correct. Yeah, and, um, and basically for every license that you uh, had, you can actually claim that. Uh, I think it works out to about uh, $650 per uh, uh, office product. And I think it's about $13 for the OS. So you can actually claim up to $250 as an individual person without having to show any receipts. So what's stopping anyone from just like... Well, you, you do have to fill in a form for every product. Yeah. You have to say where you got it from. You have to know when you purchased it, roughly. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a very interesting way of dealing with this. And this seems to be legitimate. Um, we've looked into it. CBC did a big uh, thing on it a little while ago as well. So um, it does seem to be legitimate. Uh, you won't see any of this money probably until next year sometime. At yeah, the 2022. Yeah, 2022. Um, yeah, you have until September of 2021 to file. <laughs> Will they have enough money for all the people claiming? They they, they will. There, this was a $517 million settlement. In Canada? Um, in Canada. And okay. And $400 million of that is going to consumers. The 100, uh, $117 million is going to lawyers. Well done, lawyers. That that actually seems, for class action suits that I'm used to, I would have expected those numbers to be flipped. So we're doing something right here in Canada with class action. I've got to say, I love the website for this. Yes. This screams like late 90s, early 2000s Microsoft. Whoever built this, it's beautiful. I love it. Well, have you uh, seen what, the commercial for it, though? Like the I commercial, seen the commercial. No. It looks like an infomercial from the 90s. <laughs> yes. That's, oh, that's just. That's mm. why I didn't. I wasn't sure if it was real or not because it looks so <laughs> legitimate. So, one thing we should say the 650 is actually for individual Office products. So, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, if you bought them separately, it's eight bucks if you got the suite. Um, and it is, uh, it's again the $13 for the, the full package. Now, can I tell you the funniest thing? As a digital hoarder, um, yeah. I, I have 
all of my original Windows and Office disks from this era before it all went digital download. Oh, my God. Um, because, well, because what do you do? You take the receipt, you put the receipt into the CD sleeve because the CD sleeve has the CD key on it just in case you ever need to reinstall it. There is a method to my madness here. So I literally pulled out this box that I've got everything literally from the very first copy of Windows 95, which I had on CD, which had that cool video from Weezer on it, all the <laughs> way through to, uh, you know, what I've got now, which is Windows 8, um, which I've now upgraded digitally to Windows 10. So I, I know for myself that this netted out at about $100 not bad that's about what i got too so if you want to try to get on the sweet money action the website again sweetmoney.ca that sweetmoney.ca that sweetmoney.ca we're gonna have to take a break when we come back do you want to stick it to the delivery services and put more money into the hands of the restaurants and the drivers themselves well there's an app for that stay tuned you are back with the app show mike agarbo here with john beeler Got a great guest uh, online now. I'm excited to uh, do a follow-up to the From2 app. Uh, His name is Brandon Grassuti. He is a uh, local, well-known restaurateur. He has Pigeon Restaurant in Gastown, uh, a beautiful restaurant to check out if you get the chance. And also the man, the the brain behind From2, to try to take on some of the other delivery apps like Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats, and we can go on and on. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you again. We uh, had you on a few months ago. You're just kind of starting from two, uh, I guess, to uh, try to combat uh, the high delivery fees and commissions that some of the other delivery services uh, were offering. Where are you guys at now? And, and maybe just start off telling the listeners what from two is all about. Yeah, so from two uh, local uh, delivery service for restaurants for independent restaurants. Uh, we basically are a zero commission system uh, as of now, especially through the, the pandemic. Uh, all monies go to drivers and all monies go to restaurants. Uh, so driver fee plus tip goes directly to the driver uh, and whatever the restaurant grosses, the receipt goes across all the way. So it's uh, basically trying to help out during this hard time with making sure that our local independent restaurants that we love uh, still exist. And just remind the listeners, like how much, uh, are some of these other delivery apps uh, taking from uh, the overall bill when they uh, deliver? Currently right, currently right now, um, most of the apps are anywhere between 20 and 35% um, right off the top. So making our industry, uh, you know, the restaurant side of the industry, uh, basically unprofitable on every dish that it serves out. And so it either cuts into the bottom line of the restaurant. Well, it does cut into the bottom line of the restaurant, but that cost is typically passed on to the consumer as well. Like I've noticed some of the local restaurants out where I live in uh, the South Surrey, White Rock area. Uh, Obviously they've had to really go to this model uh, delivery. And I've noticed the prices have gone up dramatically. (laughs) And obviously that I I would assume is in response to that. Yeah, and I think, and, and it's interesting. Some of the some of the third party providers uh, have restrictions of you not being allowed to do that. Um, so they'll actually say you are not allowed to raise your price. It has to match your standard menu price, um, which is a restriction in some of the contracts. But in those platforms in which you can do, that's literally the only response that these companies have is to raise those those uh, prices to match. Uh, what that delivery fee is. So at the very least, they're, they're, they're a little bit in the black. So it's pretty complicated. 
Yeah, no, uh, the one one place I'm thinking of, I, I love the chicken wings there, and they just raise the prices right across the board, whether you're getting, you know, uh, the delivery takeout or or eating in. Like, it went from, like, I think $11 up to $16, essentially. Wow. And yeah. so I'm, I'm assuming that <laughs> uh, the pandemic and these delivery services had something uh, to do with it. So, you know, you as a restaurateur, you know, obviously struggling through this uh, COVID-19 lockdown, uh, which is upon us uh, again. You came up with from two, uh, all the, the money goes to the delivery folks and uh, the restaurants. And how's it how's it going so far? It's been pretty amazing. I feel like we've um, we've passed, a, we've kind of broken through now. Um, you know, we still have a lot of work to do technically, um, but I feel like there is a, uh, there has been a groundswell of support out there in the community. Uh, obviously with help like uh, from guys like you and, and your show, um, you know, I think it's starting to get out there and it's really helping us um, uh, help these restaurants and, you know, our driver network is engaged. Um, you know, we got a little press hit a little while ago and we went from, uh, I think at that point we had like 18 restaurants live or 20 restaurants live. Uh, we've gone to, in a couple of weeks, we've gone to 26 and right now actively so we've had a lot of people that have always expressed interest actively in doing their products and putting their hours in and uploading photos actively we have 80 restaurants that are in there putting in their stuff as we speak so when we hit january 1st uh we're really quite excited to be able to push out a bunch of stuff um and also our drivers went from uh i think when last we talked we were at 45 uh we crossed the century mark this week um uh, we're really, it's, it's happening. Uh, we've had the busiest weekends. We've doubled uh, every single week um, as far as the gross payments to restaurants. Uh, for the last four weeks, we've doubled every week. I was chatting with Christina, our producer uh, of the show, and she actually just used From Two a little while ago, and she was really impressed with just the variety. But also one thing that we discovered is that your drivers are also now serving, I guess, a, a much wider uh, network like they're not just for the downtown core people it's you know you can, if you have your favorite shop down downtown you can actually get it if you live in the tri-cities for example at least not that, quite that far not quite that. okay maybe i misread your map then but uh it yeah. looked, looked like there was some oh, deliveries going uh, on the big map the big map um sorry that's package products yes, oh, yes, okay. yes. So, so what we've also been doing because you know we understand that we have a lot to learn about logistics and we do have a pretty strong logistic company that uh we work with but we also realize that, you know, people are trying a bunch of different things to be able to make money during this time as restaurants. Um, and one of those is doing like Christmas packages or virtual cooking classes and things along those lines. So what we've been doing is these multi-leg deliveries. So, you know, for a minimum of X, which goes directly to our drivers again, um, like a, a minimum amount of drops, um, we'll go and we'll do multi-leg delivery for you. Uh, we'll structure all the addresses, put it into our system, build the best routes, organize all of our drivers to make it happen. Uh, and like yesterday actually was our biggest day ever. We did 157 drops uh, with nine or sorry, with eight different drivers, uh, all in an automated system. Uh, and I was just like, it's one of those things where I know logistics isn't sexy, but Oh, logistics is very sexy. Like the, math <laughs> on it, the math on it is very cool and it's very fun to do. And, and I, I created, uh, I put something up on Facebook where I showed all the maps and it looked like a drone was flying everywhere. And I think that's what I saw like too. Yeah. Going on a map basically. Um, but it's really quite cool. And, and so as a result, 
you know, a lot of the restaurants that are struggling right now, rather than just doing the takeout of these packaged products, you've seen probably some of the cocktail kits uh, that go out, um, you know, and great partners like Legends Hall that's doing their thing uh, with helping restaurants as well. Uh, getting those products out to people. Um, you know, we now have a new uh, feather in our cap and a new uh, way in which we can help. So it's quite cool. And it's um, it also incentivizes our drivers too. So they do really well when it's these large legs um, and, uh, and it incentivizes them to, to make sure that they're helping the network stay healthy uh, at the busy times, like at 7 p.m. and 6 p.m. kind of thing. My question now is, how do you scale this? You know, you, you're talking about uh, 80 restaurants that are getting involved here. Uh, there's, you know, obviously thousands of restaurants out there. Like, how do you get this going into the hundreds and then the thousands? Like, you're just one man. I can just imagine Pigeon right now. You're just serving chicken fingers because you got no time <laughs> left to, <laughs> to look after all that and and this. Like, there's a lot on your plate, buddy. Yeah, I'd say I, I'll be honest with you. I, I you know, I've. Uh, my wife is amazing and um you know i've been going i've had six days off since february 2nd um and most of the days are 14 hour days um but i feel like we are getting to this point where the technology is removing many of the things that have been the hindrance uh that have been you know technology is always about iteration so you sit there you start out like i think when we talked the first time uh, I talked about how a friend of mine that worked at Amazon said, Brandon, just get a phone number and start there and then look at every pain point that you have in the process and iterate on that and automate that piece. And so we've been slow but sure. Generally speaking, I'm the one that's working through a lot of these pain points uh, with my manual work. Uh, but we replace them and automate them as they come up. And each one that comes up are a little bit closer to getting the scale. So we've released our auto onboarding, which basically the handholding process that I do, and most of these restaurants I know, um, you know, used to be quite cumbersome. Here's your contracts, here's your information. Let me put your products in for you. Now all of that, you could, you could sign up and put your, find your restaurant on our system. Uh, you know, put your very basic information and email address, et cetera. And you can be up and running in as little as 15 minutes. Uh, like getting deliveries to your door if you have yourself organized. So we're the automation now is really replacing a lot of the painful points and we still have work to do. We still got a lot of work to do, um, but it is getting close that I feel we could, we could get into proper scale, not just in Vancouver, uh, but start to get into uh, other areas and other provinces pretty quick. Like I, I wanted to be further along than we are, um, but uh, we are all like, honestly, we're doing this all for free right now. We haven't taken any, outside um, uh, investments or any VC cash at all. We're just, uh, we're just trying to get this done as quickly as possible and haven't even had time to build things that might make it attractive to other people in investment. It's really just about making it work and, and helping at this time. We're talking with Brandon Grassuti. He is uh, the restaurateur behind Pigeon, a very popular restaurant in Gastown, and also the From2 app, a new delivery app uh, that aims to take on the high commissions and fees that a lot of the other ones out there are charging right now to put more money into the hands of the restaurant owners and uh, the delivery drivers uh, as uh, well. Do you think things are going to change when we, when I say this, hopefully get back to normal? Like, will there be as big a demand for delivery services? Have, have we been trained to accept these now? 
Yeah, I think this is, I, I think a lot of these things turn into habits and, you know, walking back things that are convenient or very difficult uh, post uh, things like this. Um, that said, what I, what I do think regardless of, uh, you know, if it drops 50%, I still think that these third party apps and the way in which they work, that 50% still leaves us enough to exist and do well and hopefully able to chip away at it those practices still don't make any sense and aren't right for the economy and not right for, for local uh, healthy independent business. Um, so what we can do is, you know, chip away at those pieces. And if the, the, the pie is 50% what it is before, it's still hundred percent of that pie. I just want to take a little bit more so that it, uh, it makes a healthier industry. Um, but I think it's here to stay. I really love this whole concept for a number of levels because everyone's really all about saving their local restaurants and, and places. And this truly does let them continue to support them without the burden of these other services. And I've actually noticed a lot of my friends have stopped using those big services because of the concerns that you know we've talked about many times now. And uh, it's just really great to see you flourishing, you know, given what's going on. Well, Brandon, Brandon, I'm going to have to give you some of your time back. Um, I know we've taken one of your 14 hours uh, today, so uh, we'll cut this interview here so you can get back into the kitchen or back to in front of your laptop there, whatever is next on your agenda. Uh, where can people get the From2 app? Yeah, so not an app yet. Uh, on the driver's side, it will be in uh, Play Store probably on, in the new year for drivers, uh, but it is still a progressive web app. So currently it's just from 2.ca. Um, mobile friendly, obviously. Um, we will be looking at an app probably for March, but yeah, from 2.ca is uh, where you go for just about everything. You want to sign up as a restaurant, as a driver, or you want to order some food, it's all there. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Thanks, buddy. Great seeing you guys. Good seeing you. That was Brandon Grassuti, the man behind from 2. When we come back, more apps to talk about here on the App Show. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike and John here. Time to talk coding. Something uh, I wish I had learned more of when I was a kid, but they just didn't have that type of class available. We learned languages from the 70s. Fortran and Pascal and Turtle. I learned machine language on an Apple II Plus. See, you're cool. Well, I yeah, I eventually learned basic. But yeah. Yeah, it's getting there. It's a lot different now. It, it is, and there's so many great tools, and I think the whole education system is more geared towards that. We're going to talk with a teacher. He is an Apple Distinguished Educator and uh, teaches at West Ferris Intermediate and Secondary School in North Bay, Ontario. His name is Brent Jakobek. Thanks for joining us, Brent. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, wanted to get you on the line. Uh, I believe uh, there's been a, I forget the name, the Computer Science Education Week. Yep, that's correct, yeah. This past week was Computer Science Education Week. You are teaching uh, kids to code. Uh, Apple's got something called the Quick Start Guide to to Code. Uh, How much is coding and programming a part of uh, the education system now? Uh, In Ontario, it uh, it was just put into the math curriculum. So, unfortunately, it, it hasn't really had a place uh, in our educational system in elementary school uh, and moved to say intermediate um, courses or, or grades up until now. So uh, with this change, I think we're going to see a lot more students getting involved in coding. But prior to that, coding was something that students would really get maybe uh, in elementary school, depending upon the teacher that they have and their interest in it, you know, and it was fit in where it could be fit in. Uh, in high school, we do have courses where the students actually can select coding and take coding. 
Um, I'm fortunate that I teach in uh, what's called the STEAM program at West Ferris. It's an enriched academic uh, one-on-one MacBook program that focuses on technology integration and project-based learning. And we've made it a point of uh, including coding as part of our focus uh, for that program over the last 10 years. So um, depending upon where the kids go to school, they might get a little bit of coding, they might get a lot. It really, right now, it's kind of hitting this. So Brent, can you explain to the audience why coding or learning coding is is so important. Uh, I know because I'm a, a big fan of STEM and STEAM projects, but there's a lot of like benefits that I think the average person doesn't really think about when you think about coding because it's not just, like you said, programming for robotics sake. It's There's a lot of problem solving and other things that are sort of side benefits and it's, a, it's, it's more of a fun way, like you said, uh, of engagement for the kids because they can actually do a lot of different things, but the skills that they're learning are a lot, much deeper than sim- simply just coding. Yeah, for sure. And, and you mentioned problem solving. I think that is a, that's a huge part of it. Um, students, and, you know, improving that skill uh, by learning coding is going to help them in, in a lot of the other courses that they take uh, throughout their academic career. Uh, I'm thinking also in terms of, you know, learning to code because coding is a language itself. It's, it's something that's going to improve the student's ability to achieve uh, better in, say, something like math, science, or English. And I think part of that problem solving is, uh, is a big piece of it. You know, debugging code, that's, that's the essence of, of problem solving. And I, I think also it helps to, it helps to improve the students' uh, critical thinking skills, their logical thinking skills. And I think with that also, it, it teaches them resilience and perseverance and that they can learn from their mistakes. And I think this is a really important one as, a, as uh, an educator. I think that um, we need to really reinforce that with students, that it's okay to make mistakes and that you can learn from them. I think with coding, you're bound to make mistakes. It's, it's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to make an error pro, uh, writing your code. You're going to have to go back and debug it. You're going to have to solve it. And with that, you know, that teaches resilience and perseverance to those students. And it also, I think, when they're, then when they're successful, that's going to also help to build self-confidence from those students as well, too. So I think there's a ton of things that can be improved by uh, teaching students to code, even if they're not going to become programmers or going to coding. And, you know, speaking uh, of that, I mean, experts, many experts, I should say, would or have said that a lot of the jobs in the future are going to require some knowledge of coding. Not everyone's going to have to be a coder or programmer. Now, that's not realistic. There won't be enough jobs in coding or programming for that to happen, but most jobs are going to require some understanding of coding. So I think, you know, that reason along with the fact that it's going to help reinforce and build up all these other skills that students have that are then easily transferable to their ability to be more successful in other courses. I think those are all great reasons to get students involved in coding. Uh, And the earlier, the better, I think. I think with it being like a language, I think it's something that definitely needs to be taught early on, starting in elementary school and all the way through elementary school into high school. And I think right now is sort of the golden age of learning to code at a young age because we've got stuff like, like you mentioned, Swift Playgrounds on an iPad or on a smartphone, uh, Raspberry Pis, you know, all these yeah. low cost, uh, easy and accessible ways of learning. Uh, even the youngest kids can really pick up the stuff early, just like a language and be really good at it very early on. And, and kind of what you said, like, even if they don't become programmers, there's so many skills that they're going to learn from this. So I always encourage people if they're looking for gifts for their kids to get something that will help get them into that space a little bit earlier or, or, you know, earlier than you would think, 
right? You, know, you don't have, they don't have to be yeah. like 12 to get into this. They can be in this when they're at five and six because yeah. the tools are so interesting and, and fun to play with. It's almost like Lego in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. it, you're, you're just moving functions around instead of bricks, you know, like it's. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, it, one of the things that we, we do in the STEAM program is we've, uh, we do a lot of outreach uh, to area uh, elementary schools. So within our board, we've also run some to, um, other boards, and we, we ran a really big outreach project to uh, the York District uh, Catholic School Board back in 2019. So we brought a lot of our STEAM students, our grade nine and ten STEAM students, on a, on a bus uh, down to you know down to Vaughan, Ontario, um, and basically took over this school, St. Padre Pio, for a full day where our students taught their elementary school students. So high school students teaching younger students in elementary school all kinds of skills that were tech related. So it was everything from coding, like block-based coding programming, uh, robots like uh, spheros and mini drones, to actually working in Swift playgrounds, to uh, learning how to use green screens and, and so on. So I, I totally agree with that. I think the, the, uh, the younger, the better. We start students with this, the easier it is for them. And the really neat thing about it with those outreach events, myself and my, the, uh, the team that I work with, and, in order to make these things work, you have to have a great team of educators that really share a common goal, common vision. It's certainly not something that I alone am responsible for. I've got a lot of great people that, uh, that I work with and I'm very fortunate to work with to help make this happen. And watching students work with something like Swift Playgrounds, you know, putting that iPad in their hands and then showing them just the very first puzzle they have to work on and then watching them go, it's really neat to see that. Like it is a lot of these applications, like like Swift Playgrounds, they're really intuitive. And with with little kids, most of them know how to use iPads now. Most of them know how to use iPhones and whatnot now. They they watch up through watching their parents, through uh, you know watching their siblings, and from experimenting themselves. And to watch them just kind of take something uh, like that and run with it, it's it's pretty neat to see. Uh, the very first time I we we ran an outreach like that, we had a group of grade two students that were working with Swift Playgrounds. And they were really quiet. I remember coming down some stairs um, in, in the one school we were in, and, and in this group, the, the students were in a semicircle, and they all had the iPads, and they're all working on the playgrounds, and they were just quiet. And, you know, like, occasionally they'd be quiet, they'd be whispering to the person beside them and, and whatnot. And I remember asking one of the students from our school that was supervising and saying, you know, is everything okay? Is, you know, like, it seems like you know, they're not are they, you know, engaged in doing anything. I'm like, no, no. Like, we showed them the very first puzzle, and away they went. So it's it's neat to see that uh, that type of learning going on. We've been talking with Brent Jakobek. He's a teacher. Uh, been using uh, Apple Distinguished, or he's an Apple Distinguished uh, educator. Been talking about Swift Playgrounds, uh, which is available on the Mac and iPad. I want to thank you for joining us, Brent. Well, thank you for your time, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show, Mike, John, and Graham here. Time to talk fitness and fitness apps, and specifically the new Apple Fitness Plus app that has uh, just launched here in Canada. This is part of uh, Apple's, uh, I guess, service uh, suite of apps uh, that they're putting into a bundle uh, called Apple One. Uh, You can get it bundled in that, or you can get it separately as well. But it's an interesting app in the way it all works. And Graham, you've actually had a chance to try this out. Yeah, so I busted this out for the first time yesterday. Um, And I've got to say, it is incredibly 
Well done. So it, this actually now lives in the activity, the fitness app uh, on your phone. Um, and so this is on your phone, on your Apple TV, on your iPad. Uh, you can even use it on your Mac as well. Um, and it ties directly into the Apple Watch. So when you go into that app, now in the middle, at the bottom, there's a segment called fitness. You tap on that and it brings up all of this content. And so you've got some really cool activities like core, strength. Uh, if you've got a, a bike at home, cycling, rowing, um, there is yoga, there's dance. Uh, and so this is all broken down by activity. And now inside each activity, you've also got a variety of different hosts. Let's be clear here. These are high definition, high end produced videos with real human beings leading you through a workout. It's kind of like the, you know, the, the, the aerobics fitness craze of the 80s for 2020 and 20, 2020 and beyond. Um, and they're good. So I did uh, I did the core app and I did the I did the, the core workout and the strength workout did the 10 minute versions of each so you got 10s 20s and 30s um, and inside each of those like I said you got different hosts and the hosts represent different types of intensities and different types of music so you can listen to you know if you're looking for pop hits if you're looking for bass music uh, I, they didn't have anything in country. Not that I looked for it but you know there there are different ways to work out here. Um, the cool thing is I've got this on the family plan. And that means that I get to use it with my own personalized stats. My partner, Ray, she gets to use it with her stats. And my parents get to use this. All of us have Apple Watches. And because we're on the family plan, everybody gets to play. This is really cool. I, I, uh, I actually subscribe to it. I haven't checked it out yet. Uh, tell us about the Apple Watch integration, how that all works. So this is really neat. Basically, when you when you fire it up, it uses Bluetooth to connect to your Apple Watch. And your Apple Watch is doing a ton of different things all the time. One of those things is heart rate monitoring. So it's checking to see how much activity you're doing, how many calories you're burning. It's checking your heart rate. Well, they're taking that data and they put it right on the screen in front of you. So you can see how much time you've got left in the exercise program. It's counting down um, how high your heart rate is. So are you getting into the aerobic zone um, and how many calories you've burned? On top of that, I mean, anybody that's got an Apple Watch knows they've got their three rings every day, right? You've got your stand, your exercise, and your activity. And we're always trying to fill those things. And so while you're doing that, in the left-hand side, you've got all of your, your data, the real-time stream data. And on the right-hand side, you've got the song that's playing and your activity rings. So it's kind of like this cool heads-up display as you're working out. It's incredibly rewarding. Like it just, you see right away that what I'm doing is making a difference in my, my, my health and my life. So it feels really good. The feedback loop there is like, yeah, I got this. What I thought was really interesting is, is like you said, you have the choice of different instructors and you also have the choice of those instructors with different uh, sort of styles of music. So whatever you're looking for, uh, it's great. Um, you can f typically find it except for country, of course. <laughs> but what's also really cool is that integrates, at least if you have the Apple One plan, you now have these playlist options in Apple Music as well. Uh, and sorry, Graham, does it work with the Apple TV as well? It does, yeah. So you can yeah. stream to Apple TV, no problem. And that's that's great. So basically, we've upstairs at our place here, we've got sort of a dance studio, fitness studio that we put together. Um, and it's got mats all on the ground. We've got some mirrors up there. And so the TV is downstairs. I can work out in front of the TV. But we've also got iPads. So you can basically, I set up my iPad yesterday and worked off of that. And that was, it was a really seamless and easy way to do it. Uh, the cool thing here is, you know, 
I haven't done a whole lot of exercise over the course of the last 10 months. I think I put on the COVID-5. Yep. <laughs> and so getting getting back into physical activity, if you're sort of at that point where you've been sedentary for a while, there is an intro program that will kind of warm you up and get you get, get you back in so you're not dump, jumping right into the deep end. You can start somewhere, get a feel for it, make sure you're feeling good, you know. No, there's no clutching pains or anything like that. <laughs> and so you can kind of get started and, and have some fun. Um, so I, I guess my big question here, how, how would this compare to some of the other apps out there? So I, I've used a lot of fitness apps and I've, I've got some bodyweight fitness apps. I've had some, some guided uh, apps in the past. Um, I've never used Peloton, but this is apparently is very similar to Peloton. Um, you know, Apple's calling this a, uh, what, do they, what do they call it here? It's like a revolution in motivation, something like that. And I have to admit, they've kind of nailed it. There's, there's something about this. They've gamified this to, to a point, which they've been doing with the Apple Watch all along, kind of getting your points. Fitbit did this way back in the day and continues to do it now. Um, but looking at this, it's like the way that they've gamified it and made it satisfying and easy. It's one click to get in. Everything kind of works together. This is, this is now my go-to. And the fact that it's wrapped into Apple One, I'm paying 50% of what I was paying before for my entire family, plus I get fitness. That, this is a no-brainer for me. I think Graham likes it. <laughs> you can find out more information over at apple.ca, uh, something I'm going to try out uh, myself. Uh, when we come back from the break, more apps to talk about. Stay tuned. You're back with the App Show. Mike, John, and Graham here. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com, and I'll tell you why. Not only is it a great resource for anything techie, from uh, first-look videos, how-tos, all our uh, radio and video podcasts, we also have a great contest going. And again, getconnectedmedia.com. If you hit the newsletter tab, you can find out even more information. We're giving away a holiday gift bag, value $900. This has an Oral-B toothbrush, an IO Series 7. It's a smart toothbrush. Ancestry DNA kit. We've got Microsoft Surface earbuds. These things are super cool. And a Nest Mini as well. And you guys can't win, just, just so you know. <laughs> uh, this is open to any of our listeners and viewers. Again, getconnectedmedia.com. I also just want to mention something because we get a lot of feedback from people that whenever we mention something on the show, people are like, oh, I didn't get the name of that thing. We had like, I don't know, like a dozen emails about the Wise uh, watch. Yes. $20 watch. Yeah. People didn't know the name or they missed it. Yes. So uh, anytime you miss something, if you go to our website, usually right after or within the same day, we'll have it on the webpage. Perfect. So you can you can go back and watch the video podcast of the radio show. You can listen to the radio show via very podcast mechanisms. There's we have a player you can actually just play the episode right on the webpage, uh, and uh, you can also most oftentimes you can find a blog post about something like we talked about. It has all the links and all the good stuff in it. It's all there. Go to the website if you have any questions. Getconnectedmedia.com. We've also got a great YouTube page. We need more subscribers so we can make more videos. So look us up at Get Connected uh, Media on YouTube. Subscribe to our page. Like the videos. Ask questions. Hit leave the little comments. Bell. Sorry? Hit the little bell. Hit the little bell. We need all of that. It helps us make more content uh, for you. And don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected, uh, every week on Saturdays uh, and in Toronto just before this show. So hopefully you just listened to it already. I want to thank uh, John and Christina, our producers, and uh, Graham and John, uh, our hosts here. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app. 
TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.